This morning we're talking about uh, praying for one another. And I almost feel like that's such pretty obvious, right? Like we should just do it. Okay, that was easy. Let's go home. And enough's already been said. The songs have been sung. But maybe the most obvious one of the one another's maybe also is one of the hardest and maybe underutilized. Now let's... uh, Admit that prayer meetings at most churches are not the best attended events in the buildings. So um, if we can all agree with that, we're off to a good start. Um, It's obvious as a church activity and as part of our liturgy, we should pray. But even as we try to include the congregation more in times of prayer, it's hard because there's a quietness that comes over us. There's a shyness that comes over us. And so I hope this morning I can talk a little bit about that with you. Uh, A key verse for us this morning is James 5.16. And it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so um, we want to just look at that verse a little bit. And why would we hesitate about that? If we have um, healing and power and effective resolution of whatever we pray for, why would we hesitate? It's just so amazing. And James wants to encourage us to be interdependent, to pray for each other. We need to be willing to share our requests and we need to be willing to pray for them. So how can I pray for you if I don't know what you need or what you're going through? Or how can I encourage you if I don't know the things that are connected to your life right now? But also, how can you be encouraged if I won't pray? If I won't step out and actually come between you and our Heavenly Father, and be a bit of a go-between for you, to articulate maybe what you can't even articulate. It has to be both. If we did this better, oh my goodness, I bet it would revolutionize the church, capital C. Not just us, I think every church. The verse also says for us to confess our sins. So maybe that's what gets everybody a little bit nervous, because, um, well, I'm not going to confess my sins before I pray. But I'm not sure that's what the verse is speaking about. And I just think maybe we'll leave that for Pastor Jonathan for another week. But um, I don't think it's your sin is the reason that God won't answer your prayer or that you can't ask him for things. That's the, again, that's a whole other sermon. But confessing our weaknesses and our shortcomings or even admitting that we have weaknesses or shortcomings humbles us. So that humility is what can just bring us into a posture of prayer. And healing can come in many forms. So God hears all our prayers and all of our petitions. In John, we read, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Wow, that's beautiful. We can pray for others for comfort, for salvation, for healing, for safety for any number of reasons. And we can pray that someone comes to know God or we can pray that God helps them find a lost puppy. It really doesn't matter. But why is it still so hard? Well, I want to get practical this morning about how to pray and some ideas of what praying for one another is and maybe is not. And maybe today we can help build our confidence to pray for one another 
to speak out our prayers and believe that our prayers can be powerful and effective. Okay, and that's not only in the spiritual realm. So in the spiritual realm is where we actually petition God's heart and we see change that is way bigger than we are, but also close to home in real time as we build relationships with each other and walk out the one another's of scripture. That's what the whole series has been about. This is like a super strategy of the one another's. It connects to so many of them. It can be the way that we show our acceptance. It can be the way we show our forgiveness, all of them. But on my heart today is some practical suggestions and maybe look at some misconceptions that we have that might be holding us back. So I'm hoping that I um, have something for everyone and no one feels personally attacked, but that all of us feel a little bit uncomfortable and challenged. Ephesians 3.12 says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So the first misconception that I want to look at is that we are not worthy or we feel unrighteous. We might compare ourselves to others and we may just feel that what we have to contribute isn't quite up to the standard that God might be looking for. Well, Christ paid a very high price to make us worthy. And I want you just to think about that for a minute. Christ paid his life to make us worthy. It's not who we are or what we've done. It's just because he loves us and he loves each of us. Our lives are a a deliberate pursuit for the freedom of the lies of the enemy that want to convince us that we are not free in Christ, and then we do not embrace the relationship we have with God fully. And you are all righteous enough to pray. That's the first basic step in believing that you have a relationship with God, is talking to him, praying with him, sharing your needs, and then sharing the needs of others. Not being able to pray is like putting a muzzle on the church. And that's a picture that has come to me several times during this pandemic. And it's actually a disturbing one for me um, because of the masks. And I have a hard time with the masks because I I do sometimes connect it with that picture that uh, we're being stifled or that we're being held back. Uh, Of course, not the mask that Kathy Rothery sews for TLC because they are amazing, by the way, and it's for a great cause. And it's important for us to be compliant, I believe. But the masks are dangerously similar to muzzles. And when we don't use what God has given us, why do we expect things to change? There's something powerful about coming together and something even supernatural. So this brings us to our second misconception, that we don't need to pray together. Uh, this week, I was on my, uh, one of the Zoom calls, one of our November check-ins, so keep registering for those. They've been so encouraging. And uh, Kelly Garby said um, that the reason we get Zoom fatigue and never really feel quite satisfied with it is it's a two-dimensional screen, and the person on the other side of the screen is just an image of a person. And we were created three-dimensional It was like, wow, we have multiple senses in which we experience life. And a 2D experience just doesn't satisfy. So that also leaves us unsatisfied to be alone. 
That's why loneliness is such a big thing during this time. And if we look at Father, God, Holy Spirit, that's an example of the Trinity. It's working in unison. That's God's design. So if you're feeling that this is separating and, and isolating and it's, it's not good, that's why. Because it isn't. It doesn't feed our soul. And it's just not true. We need each other. I looked up the list of praying for others and just some of the verses. Well, after there was like a hundred, I just, I stopped looking because that was like enough for me. The Bible tells us to pray for others and we need each other. And if this is something that we learn out of this dark time, then I think we will be better off. We need relationships and relationships can be built through prayer. And we can connect in a deeper way through prayer. It's almost like taking something to another level. Okay, um, but we may have to be courageous at this point. We may have to step back out. We may have to step back out in our lives, in our church life, in our family life, in our social life, but we need it. And that's the important part for you and me, that we have to find the courage to step back out. And that may include praying for someone. Okay, so the third uh, misconception is what about the idea that prayer is not my spiritual gift? Well, I um, don't believe it's anyone's spiritual gift. I think it's a discipline. It's a language. It's, a worship. it's our worship. It's an expectation. It's for everyone. Now, intercession, on the other hand, is a bit different. It is a spiritual gift. But I believe it's more like a watchdog gifting for sort of the serve and protect on a spiritual level. So it's a very specific, and it could be semantics. You and I could talk about that and, and even disagree. But it's different than a prayer language, a conversation used to communicate love and the things on your heart. That's what we're talking about. This is about a conversation, a dialogue. Okay, let's move along. Number four, that prayer is a talent that only some have, or a talent that some are born with and others aren't. Well, again, just not true. I think of it more like a muscle. All right, we all have the same muscles, but for some of us, they are just more defined. So if uh, you don't want to compare yourself to other people's muscles, that's fine, but you all have them, all right? And very few people, even that have talents like a pianist or a dancer or an athlete, even they have with this special talent that they've seen in them at a very early age, they still practice. They practice because they love it and they want to get better at it. And then they want to share it. They want to share their talent. So those who are especially eloquent and humble at prayer, because I think they go together, probably love to pray and have spent many hours praying and don't pray to be listened to, but they want to share it. That's a good thing. So number five, let's keep moving on this list. Prayer has to be a certain way. Okay, again, I don't think so. For example, the one idea that came to me is a prayer can be sung. And, and uh, Brittany, you already alluded to that this morning. And in Acts 16.25, um, there's an example. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They made it public. They made it their testimony. They made it their witness. Have you ever heard a song, like when you're driving, and all of a sudden you know that the words are for someone, and you just immediately think of someone because the song just 
stirs in your heart and it makes you want to pray for somebody, well, if that doesn't happen to you, I might suggest that you change up the song list or the playlist that you have in your car. But there are so many songs that inspire us to pray. And if we don't have the words, a creative person has already just beautifully to music put the lyrics together as a prayer. So we can rely on those. Or a picture, right? The other thing I thought about is a picture. You can describe a picture to someone as a prayer or something that inspired you to pray for them. I might see something on, I might see a rock and it may make me think of somebody or a situation and then that um, causes me to pray. So, um, or you get a picture while you're praying for someone. And so you may not know how to pray for them, but you may share the picture that you had for them. And then let God reveal to them what that prayer was about. But it becomes the heart of your prayer, the song, the picture, um, whatever it might be. There's no right way to pray. And again, perhaps only an insincere heart. But then, you know what? I think of uh, sarcastic prayers, desperate prayers, unbelieving prayers, and there are examples of all of those being answered. So I'm not sure we can really do it the wrong way. So... I saw another example of, we'll look at Moses in the Old Testament. And in Exodus 16, it says, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. So God even responded to the grumbling. Even that turned out that it moved God's heart. He saw the need of his people and he provided. I wish they would have been more thankful but it didn't change what happened. It's a form of communication, a language, a dialogue available to everyone. So we can acknowledge that there may be some bad examples. Maybe you've had some experience with some bad examples, but we can't let that shut us down, all right? In Christianity, we have bad examples of every aspect of our faith. And so we cannot let that keep us from doing everything that God wants us to do. We may have a different style than someone else, but that's not about right or wrong. Okay, so number six. This was a big one. And the misconception here is that prayer is meant to remain locked down between you and God. It's a personal thing. It's a private thing. Well, I'll agree that you can pray alone. Absolutely, we should pray alone. You're encouraged in the Bible to pray alone. Jesus went away and prayed on his own. But he also called us to pray for one another. And there are many examples where he prayed with others. So there seems to be this hush that comes over the body of Christ when we're waiting for someone to pray. And I don't know if you felt it, but let's be honest. All right, I think it's hard for us to pray out loud. And there are probably more reasons than I've shared today. You probably have your very personal own reason. It can be a cultural thing, something you've learned growing up or what you're used to. Some cultures are very flamboyant in prayer and even loud. But church, this is not us, okay? We have this bit of a hush that comes over us. Or maybe it's that only your dad prayed growing up. Or your grandfather got the honor to pray at the table. Maybe in your faith tradition, it was only the men that got to pray, or the pastor, or the priest that prayed out loud. Maybe you were discouraged and even told not to mix in 
when it was a time of prayer. And so that's sort of held over you as something that you've been used to. So maybe it's not the praying that's the problem. You have an active prayer life. It's simply the problem sometimes we have with praying out loud. And I really want to challenge that today. It has been on my heart. I felt like, oh, really? You're going to go there? I'm like, yep. God kept saying, go there. And I mean it in the, in the most loving way. But I want to challenge us that no one gets a buyout when it comes to praying together. The misconceptions we've talked about may have guided us and given us sort of a pattern in the past, but the enemy would love the chance to silence us in a way, that's, in a way that keeps us from praying powerfully and effective. We have put idols in the way of our prayers and kept silent sometimes with false humility and even selfish motives. And Jesus did condemn the Pharisees, I I acknowledge, in Matthew 6, verse 5, for pontificating on the street corners. That's true. That's not the model that Jesus was trying to show us. And he, uh, he, he was very stern about making a mockery of prayer. But that's a far cry from praying out loud in your small group or with your kids or in a loving circle where people accept you and appreciate you. If we believe that we're all disciples and the nature of a disciple is to make disciples, our actions, our disciplines, our habits, our lifestyle, our worship, all of it is a part of who we are. And as the model, we're ta- as a model, we're talking to God, okay? Others can learn from our relationship with God. They are blessed. They're strengthened. They're, they're encouraged. They're spurred on to participate themselves. And as others see us overcome these misconceptions and our own fears and weaknesses, they're strengthened and challenged to try and step out themselves. So let's back to that super strategy. I want you to think for a moment of a time when someone prayed for you and it changed your life. For Can you think of a well-timed prayer, like a deliberate prayer for a specific thing by someone or a small group? Maybe someone in a worship service prayed. Maybe someone doesn't even know you. Maybe it was even on TV or on the radio. Or maybe it was um, that that prayer changed your situation, and you remember that. You heard it audibly, and it affected your life. You can be part of that. We could probably give testimony after testimony, and even this morning at the open mic, the one anothering that we honored is is just so precious in the body of Christ. And some of you remember even praying for us right here in this auditorium. It's modeling prayer. It's getting agreement for what you are praying for. It's rallying the troops. It's engaging the army. It's powerful, productive, even strategic. That's why we also honored Peggy as our servant of the week. We acknowledge that praying for us is important. And even if it's simple, even if it's only a few words, it's more than saying nothing. And and Catherine, I just, I want to thank you for the beautiful prayer that you scripted for Emma's baptism. Obviously, you put time into it. It was thoughtful and it was meant for Emma but it blessed me and it probably blessed others in our congregation too because it inspired us to be able to put our words together and bless someone and connect with them at their heart. 
Now, I want to direct this for a moment to moms and dads. And this is critical. Your kids have to hear you pray. I, it, it's not enough to tell them that you pray for them. They need to hear it. It builds them up. And they're learning. They are absorbing your example. Well, we have children in our program that obviously have learned to pray. It should be natural for them to talk to Jesus. It's beautiful and it's a blessing. When a child prays, there is nothing like it. Thank you for opening those doors for your kids. I mean that sincerely. But we also have children that have learned to be quiet, not to pray, to let the leaders pray. They're respectful and appreciative, no doubt, but not participatory. And that is a really hard thing to turn around. Shame on us if we don't give kids a chance in our programs or at home to practice. They need to stumble through it. They need to just say it in their own way. And we need to receive it as just a beautiful conversation that they might share with God. And now, grandma and grandpas, I want to talk to you for a minute. Moms and dads, here, get a break here. Moms and dads are in the throes of raising their kids, and I can tell you that we often only have energy for the basics. Some nights, it's just, that's all there is. And grandparents, it's easy to forget what that feels like. So you can sweep in and be the heroes. So just be the heroes. Take your opportunities and pray with your grandchildren. Show them how to pray. Model praying for them. Encourage them to pray with you and for you, for their parents. Help them strengthen those muscles. They will remember the legacy of prayer that they have been given. And at some point in their lives, they're going to draw on that when they have to pray for their family or their friends. Just imagine if kids had to learn how to talk, but no one talked. Or if you remember um, learning French in um, elementary school, it might be a bit of a flashback, you might have a chill, I don't know. But if you had to take those patent dialogues that we learned in French, and then you were dropped on the streets in Paris and you had to survive, I think most of us would be stuck with the phrase, you know, uh, oh, formidable, ah, un chocolat. I, I don't know if that's going to help me too much, although I think that the chocolate is important. Um, or I think back to German school as a kid. Okay, so Saturday mornings, I had to go to German school. And uh, we, understand, we understood mostly everything, um, but my grandparents spoke to us in German, and we answered in English. So we thought we knew German. Well, my parents took us to Germany then, and all of a sudden we realized that there were things we wanted to say and uh, the words would not come to me. I understood what they were saying, and I wanted to jump in, but they didn't understand the English. So after six weeks of being there and being forced to talk, we learned a ton, way more than 13 years of being around German and even being in German school. Does that connect with you? Do you see, I'm trying to say that you can be around prayer, but never adopt the language because as Christians, sometimes we're afraid to share that or just to try or to step out of our comfort zone. And Christians that have been Christians for many years still don't feel confident to pray out loud. And it can be a cliche, I'll pray for you. But the other person has never had the beautiful experience of hearing those thoughts, that heart, that love that you have for that person in the way that you pray for them. 
It's not the pastor's job. It's not the leader's job. It's all of us together like a beautiful conversation. So let's imagine for a moment uh, a prayer time with a few people in, in the circle. And so I say something and I pray for something. And then let's say Raquel picks up on something and adds a point. And then let's say um, Andre picks up on that and he prays and he fits with what Raquel has just said. And it really builds up Raquel because she feels like what she said was, was affirmed. And then let's say that um, Grant, he prays for something and that prompts Vicky, she starts to cry. And so maybe the tears are her prayer, but she might also add some words to that. She might or she might not. And then let's say Heather. Heather is inspired to share some words of a song that's very meaningful to her. And it just warms the whole room because those words are so powerful. And Mike gives a timely amen. And then Byron or, or um, someone adds a scripture and that just brings the whole thing together. Wow. God was using that circle as a time of conversation. The feelings were encouraging to one another. And everyone had a chance to contribute. It was powerful and effective. That's what the verse talks about. When we come together, there's something dynamic that should happen. No one likes a conversation hog. And no one likes when the conversation is all one-sided. No one likes being ignored or left out. We've all sat through sermon prayers, boring prayers, long-winded prayers. But before we judge too quickly, we've all been guilty of either getting carried away or being self-centered or saying nothing. So we're not here to judge. This is not about judging. We're all learning. But we should all be listening. If we have to remain humble in prayer, then by listening, we'll know how to respond. There can be no guile when it comes to prayer. We can't fool God anyways. He knows our heart. He knows our words. But thinking about the hockey score while someone else is praying isn't helpful. And I've been there. I've been thinking of the groceries I need to go buy. And then I catch myself. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're in the moment. Get in the moment. It's important. Or we've been calculating what we're going to pray after the next person is done. Or deciding when it might be our turn to jump in. Well, I'm sure all of that is not helpful. If we don't listen, how can we honestly give an amen? How can we give a thank you? Or how can we even contribute the peace that belongs to us? If we don't even know what's been prayed. If our silence is indifference, then so be it. But if our silence comes from a place of unworthiness or unwillingness, then we need to address it. Now, leaders, just for a moment, uh, don't be a prayer hog, which I can be one sometimes. There are those others that are processing or thinking and will not get a chance if you jump in too soon. I'm sometimes afraid of the silence. I got to admit it. But someone else may need to pray, and it's not actually my turn. And as a leader, I can tell you it's hard when someone in the group won't talk, won't share, and you don't know why. Okay, so here's one for the quiet ones. If you're afraid your prayers won't be taken seriously or you will be judged, then that's a group issue, something we all need to share and needs to be addressed. But I want to encourage you that you matter 
And even though you might think it doesn't matter to the group, it does. You have a contribution. And someone may wonder if they should have talked because nobody else talked. And there's a lot of dynamics that can change when we're not freely moving in the circle in our gifting, in our, in our shared responsibility, maybe even. Quietness is not bad. But again, if it's the misconceptions that are keeping us from praying, then the enemy, I believe, wins. I'm going to give one small caveat to those of you that are desperately shy, and I know that you're out there. And I will acknowledge the hardship this causes to be part of any group, especially thinking about having to pray out loud. So I I do. I do want to acknowledge that. But there are ways for you too to be involved and for being part of a caring group that includes you and doesn't make you feel confronted or afraid. It is possible. Prayers in a prayer meeting should be built on each other. Again, it's listening to the prayers that are being prayed. It's sharing a thought that connects with the other thoughts. And it's a conversation that builds and flows like a good conversation at the dinner table. This series is about one anothering. And when we come together, when we are gathering as believers, I believe that praying for one another is essential. And it's a blessing, supernaturally. All right, I want to steer your attention now to a Zoom interview that I did. I just thought it might be um, good for us to hear an inter- uh, to hear another conversation. So uh, I had an interview with Ian Knight, Terry Gibson, and Andrew Wins, and I've had the privilege to pray with them for, oh, a long time, and they've been praying together for more than 20 years. And I recently asked them some questions about why they feel it's so important and why together instead of apart. So I hope you just enjoy some of their thoughts. Thank you for doing this interview with me, and uh, I respect each of you guys so much. Really hoping you guys could give us some insight into why you're committed to pray for one another, and even praying for those that you don't know and you've never met. I think around 1999, uh, what had happened is I went to a ministerial, and I wasn't really excited about it in the sense that um, we were just basically holding hands and sipping tea. Uh, there wasn't much happening in regards to fruit, and it just seemed to be more of a social. And um, I guess God prompted me to that we needed to pray, um, period, just pray. The chiropractic office. Yeah, yep, water and main. Yeah, well, we set up a place to actually meet as the beginning and the center of the town, that uh, this is where it all began. So we kind of made that our meeting spot to pray for our town. Uh, I felt as I entered this Wednesday morning prayer time that it was a statement of unity and it was an opportunity to build on it. And it cost us $40,000 to pay rent on that place over two years. It, it costs, but you make the investment because the objective is worth it. And what grew out of there was a sense of unity, a sense of teamwork, a sense of oneness in the body of Christ. And the strip club came part of that too. I mean, praying for the strip club to become a church, that was all part of that whole thing, that we were changing the town. It was history making going on in these prayer meetings. It wasn't just 
get together. It was unity, but it was certainly history making. Well, I, I think I, I would uh, concur with what Ian said in regards. My heart is unity because I believe um, when there's unity, that's when the spirit really flows. That's what scripture talks about. And our father, our heavenly father, uh, he's crazy about unity. And um, I think too, too often we throw in the towel and um, our timing is not God's timing. And yet um, even this, this time now to discuss this, uh, there's good memories that are coming back for me to be reminded of water and Maine, the strip club and the churches getting involved there and praying and actually doing manual labor. Really no time that I don't feel like I don't want to come. When I'm not there, I miss it. And I think it goes back to something very simple. It's good habits and bad habits, and it's discipline. And and that's um, that's a key ingredient, the prayer. It, it's just uh, being tenacious, it's being disciplined, and it's working that good habit. Well, it's bigger than just Newmarket, and it's bigger than one church, Southlake. It's the nation that's at, at stake here. So the National Prayer Breakfast, I go to that every year because I'm committed to the nation, not just Newmarket, but the nation. And it was born out of uh, Christians who gather on a Wednesday morning in the parliament every Wednesday for breakfast and prayer. Those that love God do this. And it's been going on for 55 years. Wow. It's incredible. These Christians that are in parliament are great men and women of faith. I mean, they stand up against all the attacks of the enemy. Yeah. It's not just a prayer meeting. We're changing the history of the nation. So that's really big stuff. I think the scripture that comes to mind is in Ecclesiastes, where it says two are better than one, but they get a great reward for their labor. And a three-strand cord, three cord is not easily broken. Yeah. Well, imagine when that's multiplied by the dozen people that are at New Hope on Wednesday mornings. Um, that, that factor of, of strength, that uh, saying amen every time Terry prays for big fish. We've, we're friends. We're, we're brothers. We're, we're in this together. We're fighting the fight together and special in this town. And I think it's a great thing. You know, people won't remember who we are one day. But we're pioneers for the town of Newmarket. When things do change, when uh, there's a mighty move of, of God in this town, whether we're here or not, it'll be prayers of folks like us and like all that gather around our table that have prayed for years and for decades. And finally, something comes to pass. It's a command. It's not an option. And as Christ followers, we need to realize that, that it's a command. And one of the best ways we can show our love to Christ is to listen to him. And then one of the best ways we can show our love to people is to listen to them. And so if we're listening to people, then we know how to pray for them. And God opens up doors all day long. But I could say on one hand, I can list the number of people that have told me no. And the people that have allowed me to pray, they've, They've just been so appreciative. And it's nothing more than a prayer. But yet, I don't want to diminish that by saying it's nothing more than a prayer. Because we know it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, saith the Lord. And he's constantly whispering to us mm -hmm. in regards to what we should do and who we should pray for. 
And so I would just uh, encourage you to listen to those whispers from our, our uh, dad. It doesn't have to be long, and it doesn't have to be a lot of big words. Um, I, I really believe the simpler it is, uh, sometimes uh, less is more. It's so easy to forget the good answers to prayer that we have had. We've had so much that God has answered in our time over those 20 odd years. Mm-hmm. So, Or even just writing down a list. I prayed for, I prayed for, I prayed for, and as we write down the list, and then uh, as, as answers come, we actually have this growing uh, list of the ways God has shown himself strong. There's nothing that reinforces and strengthens faith like re- remembered stories of God showing up. There's something also... We're instructed to tell it to our future generations what God has done. Right. So if you don't write it and journal it, how will the future generations know about answers to prayer and what God has done? So it is definitely rewarding and definitely there's an expectation of better days ahead. So I hope that... uh encourages you as just another example. And I could have told you that they've been doing that for a long time, but I thought maybe to hear them share some of those key, key elements of why they're committed to pray together and the effectiveness and the powerfulness of praying together. So again, if you don't have an opportunity to be in a time of prayer with a group of people, we would love to help you connect with a small group because we really, really do believe that it is so important to our Christian walk that we need to strengthen our prayer muscles and especially at this really important time in history where people are feeling quite vulnerable and and quite unsure. Prayer can be that very strong thing in our lives. I'd like to close off with the example of Jesus' own life. And in the very last hours of his time with his disciples, we'll look at John 17 for a minute. He chose to pray with them. He shared with his disciples that they were going to have trouble in their lives and they would not be together in the way that they were there at that time, that things were going to change. And he looks towards heaven and he prays in front of them. He seems to choose this time to pray for his disciples. It's a sermon prayer for sure, if you've ever heard one, but it's a good one. And he teaches as he prays. He disciples, he affirms them, he affirms his mission on earth. And the most critical moments he has left, he chooses to pray with his disciples. They get to hear him talk to his heavenly father so transparently, so intimately, about the most important things on his heart. And they have that example to hold on to, to remember him by, and also to be challenged by. And so if any of the misconceptions that we've talked about or any of the things we've talked about have hit home with you, it's just hopefully an encouragement to take the next step. In verses 1 to 5, he prays for himself. He starts off, he glorifies God and acknowledges his relationship with his heavenly father. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Then in verses 6 to 19, he proceeds to pray for the disciples. And if we skip down to verse 11, it's, he, he prays for their physical safety. Protect them by the power of your name. 
because he loves them. And then he goes on. He's praying for something that is even more important than their physical safety. He prays that they may be one as we are one. And this sense of unity that comes through prayer, the pastors in the video, they talked about it. They talked about how important it is for unity. It it brings us together. And I recently heard um, Andy Stanley speak on speak on this, on his religion and politics uh, series on Right Now Media. It's great if you want to understand the role of the church in today's political climate. I would really recommend that video to you. And I can't do a better job than the smooth way that Andy Stanley connects, you know, uh, sharing the gospel and raising our conviction as listeners. He just speaks so well. So, I did not feel it was a coincidence that what he was talking about in terms of unity and Jesus' last prayer and my talk on praying for one another, it just all seemed to come together. So I'm going to borrow from him. And I think it's just a really beautiful way for us to end off this time of praying, talking about praying um, for one another and praying together. And so, um, all right, let's go back to our, our scripture Um, And then at the very end, the thing that Jesus knew was the most important thing was unity. And then after he prays for his disciples, he actually even prays for us. So um, if we look at verse 20 and 21, uh, Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone, which is the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And this movement that began with the disciples, we are a part of that. This legacy of Christianity is is us. We are now in that place that all of them may be one. And then in verse 25, he says, may they be brought to complete unity. Wait for it. To let the world know that you have sent me. So this idea of unity, something that can be achieved when we pray together, is also not just for us. It's for the world. Because when they see that unity, when they see differences, your differences and my differences coming together in humility to pray for one another, that's an example that takes notice. So if we pray together with open hearts, accepting attitudes and a oneness in the spirit, would we gain courage and momentum in our walk with Jesus? And would the world truly know that Christ makes things different? Could we become better listeners and better partners in prayer, no matter what we've believed in the past or what we've been used to? I'm going to invite the band to come on up, and we're going to close. And I want to do something just a little bit practical and stretch us a bit to pray out loud together. And again, in the, uh, the series, Andy Stanley asked Christians that were listening to put aside their differences for the sake of unity and not let anyone or anything divide them. Now, just think about that. He's asking the United States of America right now in the throes of this political climate to put aside their differences for the sake of the church. That's a big ask. And all I'm really asking is that you take a moment and pray out loud with us. It's challenging, it's stirring, but it's so important. Jesus modeled it, he taught it, 
He prayed out loud to go on record of his beliefs and priorities. And so the very last part of um, Andy Stanley's message, he put a simple prayer up on the screen. And I just, I really was moved by it. I was struck by its simplicity. I felt it was powerful in that moment. And basically it says, Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. I'd like to ask us to take a moment right now and stand if you would. And we just want to close with that prayer. Would you have the courage to speak it out loudly, boldly, even at home right now, wherever you are? We just want to speak out that prayer. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. Let's pray it again. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. I'm just going to ask one more time. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. In Jesus' name, amen.